0: Christ didn't simply heal a paralyzed man. He transformed him, both physically and spiritually. Those who are saved understand the very physical and spiritual relationship they have with Jesus Christ. If you know this, want this for someone else, or for yourself, keep listening. The Transformative Power of Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good afternoon. Houston and Southeast Texas. It's wonderful to be here with you. I'm here with you live. This is Pastor John Allworth. I'm at the KKHT studios out on 59 and it's raining out there and it's dangerous and I want everybody to be careful. I know you're probably listening on your ride home and so please be careful. Let's pray for you. Father God, we just ask that you put a hedge of protection around everybody that's out there on the roads today. Father, we just uh, thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I want to talk to you today about the way, and I'm going to explain that in just a second, but we're going to go back to a a simpler time. We're going to go back to first century when Jesus had just finished walking the earth and uh, Christianity was new, and at the time before it became known as Christianity, it was called the way. And, you know, sometimes in life, you know, we've got so much difficulty out there right now. We've got so much uncertainty, so much chaos. Our society is so complex. I think sometimes we make things too complicated, including our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's something to be said for the way they, they looked at things in the first century, how they, they understood the central message of Jesus Christ. And that was the way to live. You know, of course, they looked at it as Jesus coming to die for our sins and being resurrected on the cross, and that's obviously crucial to us in terms of our salvation and the most important things in our life. But Jesus just didn't come for that. He also came to show us the way to live. And the way that the first century Christians, known as the way then, looked at this is that Jesus had come, they had a covenant with God. The Israelites had a covenant with God, and Jesus had come to show them how to live, to be in the, in that covenant, to be in the zone, we might say today, to be in the covenant. So, you know, if if you're just out there and you're a little uncertain about things and, and you're unsettled by what's going on in the world today, and, and maybe you're just not completely satisfied with your walk, you don't feel like you're realizing completely the fruits of the spirit. Let's talk about the way today, the way to live the way that Jesus wanted us so that we have the power to witness, the power to teach, the power to encourage, the power to engage in fervent prayer, the power to be led by the Holy spirit, the power to heal. And there's one central thing that we need in order to have that power. And that's love. You know, the Jesus said, he said, all, all the commandments and all the law, all the prophets, Rest on two things, and that is one, loving our God with all our heart, mind, and soul and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So Jesus said, one of the reasons that people think that it was originally called the way is, of course, because in that powerful chapter of John, John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. We're going to talk more about chapter 14, just how powerful it is in this sermon, But I I want to go back and and look at Acts. I love this passage in the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, beginning on verse 42, and the Bible reads, they're talking about these people that are engaged in this early Christianity, the way they devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. Don't we need that in our world today to come together as one nation under God? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. Amen. Isn't that what we need right now? You know, I've heard it characterized, this time of uncertainty, this time of pandemic, this time of, of, you know, political uncertainty, just all the chaos that's going on in the world, how strong the enemy's coming at us from so many different directions. I've heard it said that this is the greatest opportunity in history to fulfill the Great Commission, to bring people into the kingdom of God, in, in, into fellowship with Christ. We've got an opportunity right now. You know, because, you know, in Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Now what, what does he mean there? I mean, that's a prophesy, drive out demons. That sounds that sounds pretty strong to me. But in Second Thessalonians chapter two verse nine, Paul writes, "The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders." Second Corinthians eleven fourteen says, "And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light." You know, for much of my life. I was fooled by the the light that Satan puts out there. I was fooled by alcohol. I was fooled by the love of money. I was fooled by pursuing all these fleshly things, fooled by lust, fooled by all these things. And I didn't realize that Jesus came so that we could live life abundantly, that by doing what he says, if you love me, you will follow my, you will be obedient to my commands is truly the path, the way, as they put it in early Christianity the way to happiness and to peace. So what is what does Jesus mean when he says you evildoers? Well in First John 4 7 it's John wrote Dear friends let us love one another for love comes from God everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then John paraphrases John three sixteen, where he wrote and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that to whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so who are these evildoers 1st John continues in chapter 4 verses 20 through 21 whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar for whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen and he has given us this command anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister now he's not talking about just your relatives your brother and your sister he's talking about Your brothers and sisters in Christ he's talking about people in the world that we're supposed to love do you know that Christianity is the only religion that preaches that Jesus is the true religion because it's the only religion in the history of the world that says pray for your enemies fast for your enemies love your enemies no other religion it's easy for us to love people that love us but what are we doing for the least of these and we're going to get into that in a minute so we've got to build our house on a rock as Jesus says And what is that rock? It's love. That is the way. That's the essence. You know, we get so complicated in all this theology, and listen, the Bible is wonderful, and I love to read all the Pauline epistles and and talk about theology, and it really is important and it's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with it. It's great to try to understand God and get his character and just absorb the Bible, and every time you read it, it hits you a different way. But sometimes we got to go back to blocking and tackling. The basics. You know, I'm a long-suffering University of Texas Longhorn football fan. And, you know, we always sign up all this five-star talent, the best players in the state, and then they don't do that good because they don't focus on blocking and tackling. We need to focus on blocking and tackling. If we want to improve our walk with the Lord, if we want to do what God put us on this earth to do in Matthew 7:24 Jesus says therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat the, against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock those early christians there wasn't any internet there wasn't any radio there wasn't any tv evangelist there wasn't any there wasn't even the gospels yet when this was written acts it's it's talking about a time when when the gospel the, the, the population only 1% of the population could even read they didn't have printing presses and even to circulate the gospels once they were written you know the books of acts is written after the uh, after the gospels but to circulate the gospels they had to be copied by hand and taken from town to town to town so what is what are they referring to when they say acts 242 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship well there's a little known manuscript a lot of christians don't know know this it's called the didache and it is the earliest known writing of christianity it disappeared for fifteen hundred years, and it was rediscovered in eighteen seventy-three. Some of the early Christian authors wrote about it, and it was called it was called Training of the Lord to the Twelve Apostles for the Gentiles. It was the earliest circulated thing of Christianity, and we're going to read parts of it here in a minute. So we see this this call, this way to live, this way to 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 do what Christ said, the way to live in covenant with God. It's called the way in Acts nine verse chapter 9 verse 2 19 9 19 and 23 22 and 24 24 and 14 24 and 22 all those chapters are referred to as the way for example in 24 14 the book of acts it says however i admit that i worship the god of our ancestors as a follower of the way and this way is what was the essence of christianity it was the essence of jesus's message this 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 concept of the way has its origins in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, the last words of, of Moses, Moses said, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death or death and destruction. That's what the way was. There's, they, they, these early Christians said there are two ways to live. There's the way to live that is life and there's the way to live that is death. As Jesus, as Paul writes in Romans, he said, the wages of sin are death and the way that Jesus gave us an example the way to live that is life that is the way. In Matthew 7:13 Jesus said enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in it go in by it. And isn't that true today? Don't we have so many that are out there lost? In fact, as I said on this program before, and I want to invite everybody to attend. We started a church. We planted a church here, right in the middle of a pandemic, in the in the Heights, because God called us in the middle of the city. Because there are so many that are following that path of destruction. They aren't following the way that Jesus Christ showed us. So He called us into the middle of the city in this difficult time. And we're meeting every Sunday. We're back to meeting. We've been on Facebook for a while, but we're back to meeting every Sunday at 6 p.m. at 240 West 18th Street. Our church is New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, and we meet every Sunday at 6 p.m. We had a wonderful service last night. We would love for you to enjoy us. We wanted to, we wanted to start our services at 6 p.m. So people could, you know, some people work on Sundays, and some people uh, maybe miss church that morning for whatever reason. Or some people may just want to spend, there used to be a lot more Sunday night services. And some people may just want to spend more time in the house of the Lord. So we're, you know, if you come to our church, we're going to love you. We're going to encourage you. I want people to come to our church and be uplifted, uplifted by the good news of the gospel of love of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel of peace. So he called us into the middle of the city, right in the heart of the Heights, 240 West 18th Street. Please come worship with us, 6 p.m. You know, we start with praise and worship, and we've got a wonderful worship team. And, uh, you know, then we have a word from the Lord. It's a Bible-based, non-denominational church. We're leasing some space from another church, but we're a Bible-based, non-denominational, spirit-filled church, New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, 240 West 18th Street. You can get more information at our our website, which is org. And I'm Pastor John Allworth. I'm a senior pastor there, and I'd love to meet you. Come worship with us, Sunday nights at 6. We call it Sunday Nights in the Heights. So in Deuteronomy, Moses set this forward, and then in Matthew, Jesus talks about, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, the way to life. And there are few who find it. Acts eighteen twenty five and 26, the way of the Lord, the way of God. In Second Peter, the way of truth, the way of righteousness. Hebrews ten twenty, Paul writes a new and living way. That's what these early Christians recognized it. And again, they didn't, have, they didn't have any way to spread the word except through word of mouth and this didache, which, which disappeared for 1,500 years, called the training of the Lord to the 12 apostles for the Gentiles is the way to be in covenant with God. And it started out with a training program in the way of life, how Christians should act. And then they had mentoring. Each person was assigned somebody to disciple them. We call it discipling now, to disciple them and show them what, what it is to be a Christian. And then they, they talked about, this dedicates not that long, talked about identifying yourself as a Christian. How do you do that? You get baptized. You proclaim to the world that, that you're a Christian and that you're going to live life differently. Then they talked about gathering, and they, they talked, these are small groups. You know, this is a rural society. Most people were agrarian, living in small little communities, and they'd get together in people's houses. And by the way, you know, our congregation, it's an opportunity to get in on the ground floor or something. We've got plenty of room in our in our church to, to spread out and socially distance, and, and you know, people are, some people are wearing masks, and, and you're certainly more than welcome to wear a mask and, and sit in a safe place. We'd love to worship with you, 240 West 18th Street. Then they talked about eating together, fasting, praying, gathering. I was talking to a brother before this, and he was talking about how, you know, should he, should he be attending church? Yeah. God wants us to fellowship together. He wants us to gather. It's time to come out from this darkness of this COVID and, and come into the light. We preached on that last week, out of, out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Then they talked about how to treat visitors. And, you know, how do you disciple people? How do you how do you treat people? How do you show the light of Christ through your life and and be attractive so the people will say, I want what that person has? I want what they have. They've got Jesus Christ in their lives. Then he talked, talks about first fruits. And uh, offering a pure sir- sacrifice, organization of the church, and then it closes with apocalyptic forewarnings and hope. This just fascinates me. It is the earliest. It's written, obviously, about 60 A.D., When when and this is what these early Christians were using. So I'm going to read just a little portion of it. And and that is, as I said, it's called The Way, and the, it begins, there are two ways, one of life and one of death, and there's a great difference between the two ways. On the one hand, then, the way of life is this. First, you will love the God who made you. Second, you will love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's per- that's straight from Jesus. <laughs> love, love you, Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that is so hard for us to do sometimes, to love our neighbor as ourselves. It continues. On the other hand, the way of life is this. As many things as you might wish not to happen to you, likewise, Do not do to another, the golden rule. Do not do to others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And and, in this didache, it says it the backwards. Do as you might wish not to happen to you. Likewise, do not do to another. And then it says, speak well. This is where Christianity differentiates itself. This is how we know Jesus is truly from the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It says, speak well of the one speaking badly of you and pray for your enemies. That's so powerful. You know, there's so many of our society, we get so mad right now in this political discourse we have, and we just want to get so mad, and this person's that, and this person's the other, and how can they think like that? Well, we don't need to be like that. We need to pray for them. We need to fast for them. Fast for the ones persecuting you, it says. For what merit if you love the ones loving you? It's easy to love people who love you, but are we being Christian in our way, in the way that we live Are we living for Jesus Christ the way he gave us the example to live? How we be in covenant with the Father. And then it goes on abstain from fleshly and bodily desires. If anyone should strike you on the right cheek, turn to him and offer the other. I mean, it follows Jesus' beautiful sermon on the amount. So I just get to i like history. So I just get so excited about this. The earliest Christians, Christianity in its essence, follow the way. So what is the way? It's being eager to help the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan tells us about that. It's how we treat the least of these that we see in Matthew twenty five thirty one. 31. It's 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It's fellowshipping, as I said, with other believers. It's whoever exalts themselves will be humbled, and whoever humbled themselves will be exalted. It's do not judge, Matthew 7, 1, lest you be judged. It's not looking at the plank in your brother's eye before you take out the the sawdust in your own eye. It's accepting the peace. Jesus says, I do not give you as the world gives you. My peace I leave with you. It's accepting the peace that Jesus gives us, that no matter what we go through, we know that we have hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's asking the Holy Spirit, again, back to John, that powerful chapter, Chapter 14, asking the Holy Spirit into your life to guide you, to educate you, to provide wisdom so that you have words of wisdom for other people, so that you have discernment. It's John 14. I mean, I'm getting so much out of this chapter. If you don't do anything else tonight, go home and read John chapter 14. Let your heart not be troubled. Jesus has gone before us. He says to prepare. There are many rooms in my father's house. I go before you to prepare a place for you. It's knowing that we're a child of the Most High God, that we're redeemed, that we're forgiven, that we're saved by grace, we're justified, we're sanctified, we're healed by His stripes, we're delivered from the powers of darkness, we're more than a conqueror, exercising authority over the enemy, walking by faith and not by sight, imitators of Christ, and therefore the light of the world. That is the way. Those are the promises of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And most of all, the way is love. I'm going to read from this powerful, powerful chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul writes, if I speak of the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, all these things where Jesus said, remember where we started with, how he would say, not everyone that comes to me that says, Lord, Lord, uh, there has some, he's going to say. I never knew you away from me because they don't have love. That's not the rock of their walk. That's not the rock of how they live. That's not the way they're living with love at the center of everything they do. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, that sounds pretty cool to me, and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, remember the story of the rich man? Jesus asks, he asks how do I get to heaven? If I do not It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Keep that at the heart of your walk, my brothers and sisters. Keep that at the heart of your walk. Love is the rock upon which you need to build your life. Love for your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And that's the hard part. We're to love everybody. How are we going to attract people into the kingdom if we don't show them love? And then what we want to hear in Matthew twenty five, twenty-one, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I want everybody out there. God, you know, God wants everybody out there. God wants no man to perish, but he wants everybody to repent. You know, one of the things that some of these early Christian writings was, was trying to combat is something that is in our lives today. And that is something called antinomianism. Now that's a big fancy word that theologians came up with. But what it means is hyper grace. And that is that, okay, God's grace is unending. Jesus came to die for our sins. We can live any way we want to and still go to heaven. That's not the way. That's not the way that Jesus wanted us to show, you know, I, it took me a long time to come to my life to the realization that the reason that Jesus wants us to live this way is because that's what's good for us. That's what gives us happiness. That's what gives us peace. And it's how we live in covenant with what God wants us to do. He wants us to practice love. He wants us to practice this way. All these things that he teaches us, they all revolve around love. That's what he wants for us. So listen, if you want to come to a church where you're not going to be judged, where you kind of want to be loved, where you're going to be welcomed with open arms, where you're going to experience the transformative power of Christ through love and through encouragement and through uplifting. We want to worship with you. We want to fellowship with you. The name of our church is New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. You know, my wife is is, uh, my biggest, besides my relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is my biggest asset because she is such a loving person. And the first person you're probably going to see when you walk in the door is my loving wife. And she's going to be there with a big smile on her face. She's got a beautiful, beautiful smile. And she's going to be there with a big smile on her face. And she's going to be there with open arms. And she's going to welcome you in. You know, we started this church. Our original church, our parent church, is New Covenant Church in Humble. And uh, that's where we've been worshiping the last decade and uh, that's where our friends and family, but that's, you know, when we started this church, we did so with the blessing of our, my pastor who pastors out there. And, and of course we didn't want to start right next door, but more importantly, God called us into the middle of the city. You know, as you may know, I've got a show on here on Wednesdays called Recovery Radio Houston, and I'm not embarrassed to say I'm in recovery and we're all in recovery for something. We're a recovery church too. We all go through seasons of difficulty through darkness. We want to help you Walk out of that darkness and into his marvelous life. To live, the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. But Jesus Christ came so that we may have live, live life and have it abundantly. John 10.10 10. So we want to help you along that road. We want to love you. We want to encourage you. That's what we're here for one another is to love one another and to be in fellowship with one another, to be in covenant with each other. Join us Sunday nights in the Heights, 240 West 18th Street, right in the heart of the Heights, New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, a non-denominational, Bible-based, spirit-filled church. We'd love to worship with you. Join us this coming Sunday at 6 p.m. Good night. We love you at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, but more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Good night and amen.